Hi, I'm Yui Adeshida, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. Today, we are talking to Yui about track racing, rowing, lifting, and more. Please enjoy. The Wheel Suckers podcast is forged in the studios of Warder in the fantastic Fitzrovia, London. One does not simply record podcasts at Warder. They also do voiceovers, one-off shows, and audiobooks. Let their professional team of engineers, producers, and composers be your guide. Visit warderstudios.co.uk for more. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands Cycling Cafe Bar Workshop, 49 Old Street, London. And I'm joined by my stoker. It's Jenny. I'm riding the back of the tandem. I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We are a do-it-together bike workshop that teaches people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant, and now women of color nights. And we have a guest in the studio today. Hi, I'm Yui. Hey, Yui. Hi, Yui. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Podcast Yui. Not your first rodeo. <laughs> the first one was... Where was the first one with? Uh, it was with Aisha McGowan. For the quick brown foxes. Yeah. Nice. Below. Below, below yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for round two, I guess, for those who don't know, could you give us your cycling origin story? Uh, so officially, I switched to cycling in 2016 uh, so three years ago but I actually got my first road bike in 2014 to go on a cycling training camp as part of my rowing club which was baptism of fire because <laughs> uh, we went cycling up mountains in the south of France oh <laughs> wow yes that's hardcore that's, yeah yes. <laughs> I don't know why I did it <laughs> But you did. But I did, and somehow still liked bikes after that. But yeah, I switched in from rowing to cycling in 2016 because I've been rowing for over six years. Kind of had enough of it, and people suggested that I try something else like track or weightlifting, and I picked track cycling. Here I am now. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing now? What does that entail? What am I doing now? Okay, so... Still doing track cycling, but I've kind of gone through doing stuff on the road as well. Racing, road crits, a couple of road races, and then a lot of track stuff. What's your favourite discipline? Track. There you go. 
<laughs> Don't know if I made that obvious enough. <laughs> and who are you riding with? I'm riding with a sprint team called SES Racing. I joined them at the beginning of this year, actually. And who were you with before? I was with Velocity Posse before. So I joined them early 2017. So I was with them for just under two years. And then switched across. Yeah. <laughs> Been following your Instagram. You raced uh, last weekend and the weekend before. Yes. <laughs> How did that go? We'll start with the weekend before. So that was mid-November in Newport. It was, so it's this thing called the National Sprinters League, different rounds all over the country. And this one was the last round. Pretty nervous going into it because I hadn't raced for a couple of months in the lead up to it. And you just kind of forget everything that you have to do, like in terms of prep and mindset and stuff. But it was good to have that before my following race. So with sprint, you have qualifying, which is like a 200 meter time trial. And then you go into match sprints, which is racing. Qualifying didn't go as well as I would have hoped, but I ended up racing a lot better compared to my qualifying. And we were split into like an A sprint and a B sprint, and I came third in the B sprint. Won a nice top cap and some wine, which I haven't drunk because I was (laughs) (laughs) prepping for racing. And then last weekend, I was in Manchester racing at Bucks, which is like university track championships. Entered the individual sprint and the 500 meter time trial had quite high expectations going into it because I won a medal in the individual sprint last year and then didn't qualify as well as I wanted to but I was like it's fine I can race better because I did that last weekend that didn't go to plan (laughs) Um, and so I came sixth in the sprint and then fifth in the 500 meter time trial but I PB'd in that so pretty happy I think at the end of the weekend I was just quite tired and like frustrated and a bit emotional but in hindsight it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be you haven't given up completely you're like fuck this I'm going back to rowing no although I was in a boat two days ago <laughs> oh. just my friend asked me to fill in uh, for a session but I had like a week off structured training last week I haven't actually been on a bike since Bucks. It's been nice to have that break and just do something different, but back into proper training this week. Already? Yes. Oh. Because the senior nationals for track is in less than two months. So it's at the end of January. So now I'm like working towards that. I was going to say, like, um, is it too soon to ask what your plans are for <laughs> the coming year? You've got a race already coming up in two months. Yeah. So basically the whole year has been building up to like bucks and then senior nationals. And then I can have like a proper break. Um. <laughs> Obviously, I still want to ride a bike, but I think it'd be nice to try out some different disciplines maybe do some off-roading. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very on trend. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, it's very now. Yeah. <laughs> just to have some fun, improve my bike handling. I'm quite accident prone, so I'll probably fall off a lot. But yeah, I think it will be useful and like helpful just to like have that mental break from competing on the track, but still working on bike skills. I want to know what drew you to track, I guess, from being recommended it Having gone and done the rowing kind of baptism through fire, no. 
I'm kind of intrigued what made you think, yeah, I want to keep doing this. You mean like after I first rode on track, like what kept me? Yeah. Well, I can say the first time I went to a track, which was the one in Lee Valley, I kind of turned up, went into track centre, looked at the track and was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, it's so steep. But I kind of, again, I like throwing myself in at the deep end. With track, you've got to do an accreditation, so like make sure you're safe on the track. And I think most people will go and do a taster session before they start their accreditation. But I just went in and started my accreditation because it was a cheaper option. Wow. <laughs> um, and just the fact that I passed the first one, I was like, yeah, I quite like this. I'll give it a go. But saying that, it did take me probably like two months to get back on the track again after that first initial try. And even though I liked it, I wasn't very confident and wasn't that fit. And so it took me over half a year to actually get to the end of my accreditation. But in terms of, I started racing fairly early on. So the first time I went on track was November 2016. So three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I did my first race in April 2017 at Herne Hill because I wanted free bib shorts. Oh, it's not the ass ass. Yeah. It, it works. works. Nice work, Ass. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> That's what I guess kept me going. I got better, like, towards the end, but initially it was like, I could do with some nice bib shorts. So I'll race. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gateway drug. Bib shorts. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> That's great. I'd be really intrigued to hear how you get on when you start other disciplines because I think from mm. doing track to trying the others out, I do think, yeah, track is quite intense so I did my first track race in 2017 and then did my first road crit a couple of months later but I only did that because you're gonna think I'm crazy I only did that because I was convinced to do the fixed crit at Nocturne and I was like I need like crit experience before I go and do a fixed crit so I did my first crit at Hog Hill in maybe like May or June but I was was terrible and then I did Nocturne in June 2017 crashed so I'm not doing a fixed crit again they're hardcore but but yeah uh, decided to give road crits more of a go but I definitely struggled with kind of like being around other people in a bunch but and fitness but track definitely helped improve my riding on the road I think Mm. but yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens when I go (laughs) off road (laughs) be fun i'm starting to get pictured that you enjoy riding on your own as opposed to in a pack which often happens with like the road crit stuff in track like what are your favorite disciplines well so track i mainly sprint now so it's a lot of individual stuff but then you have the kirin which is the one with the derny pacer and it is a small bunch and i was definitely nervous of the bunch racing to begin with because I wasn't that confident in my bike handling skills. But as I got more confident, I didn't mind being in a bunch. But I think I preferred it more on the track to on the road because people can't just slam on the brakes Mm. on the track. Yeah. 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 And also, like, to race, you have to have gone through that accreditation process. And so you know that people are generally going to be riding safely, whereas you don't have that on the road. That's true. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because we've both done taster sessions on track and they talk about, they 
you have to practice elbowing people next to you and like maintaining your balance. With the road cycling, you don't have to go through anything like that. They just let you go. go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although, I mean, there are like more skill sessions in place for doing road crits and things like that, but they're not compulsory. Mm. So not everyone goes in with like the same skill set. I think your your racing caught people's eyes. It was the earlier this year, wasn't it? You became you were chosen as a SRAM ambassador. <laughs> is it actually called that? No. <laughs> okay, I was like, that is cool. <laughs> Lots of people use that term. I think it's a cool term. Yeah. It's cool. So what happened was they released a new group set this year. The red ETAP axis, which is twelve speed, very nice, mm. and. <laughs> I took part in their campaign. So we did a shoot in Dartmoor last year, which Ayusha put me forward for. Uh And then they featured me when they released their group set this year. I'd really enjoyed working with them and I think they must have enjoyed working with me too. And I really liked the product. And yeah, it's kind of how I became an ambassador for them. I've had some pretty exciting opportunities out of it. So yeah, enjoying it so far. Are you going to be doing more work with them? access to their new exciting ridiculous 12 are they going with 13 speed like (laughs) i don't know about that but i'm gonna enjoy riding my 12 speed group sex they very kindly gave me the bike that i rode for the campaign which sometimes gets a bit neglected because i spend so much time training for track but when i do get to ride it it's like i really enjoy riding on it and it makes me want to go ride outside we know you prefer riding indoors to outdoors. <laughs> we yeah. can talk about that. Can we talk about that? <laughs> but do you ride around the city or is it just in controlled environments? <laughs> um, at the moment, most of it is in controlled environments. I do not commute. I do ride outside occasionally, like every couple of weeks or so. But I don't commute. We want it to be clear that is okay. <laughs> there's no there's cycle no shame shaming here. There's, there's no, no shaming. There's no commute shaming but, here. But I think what's important is we discover, figure out why, because I think this you're not alone in this idea, and I think that's something that definitely needs to be addressed in in London and in you know areas of the world where people ride bikes. Why do you prefer not commuting? I think there are. A few different reasons. When I started cycling, the place that I worked and where I went to uni, well, kind of were on opposite sides of London to each other. And my house was nowhere near those two. So for me to like do a round trip commute would have taken forever. So it was a distance thing, a time thing, and just like not feeling that confident on the roads, especially when I first started And I think now that I'm racing and, like, really into racing, I don't want to get knocked off my bike by someone that's not paying attention. And, like, I have started driving since I started cycling. And there are just some drivers that are aggressive towards everyone. Like, whether it's another, another driver or a cyclist or a pedestrian. And that just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. And so I'd rather stick to cycling in controlled environments and like I will go out and ride if I know the route and I prefer I think riding with other people just because there's that safety element compared to riding by yourself 
Yeah, I think it's a cool thing, a thought to like flip that and just think, you know, if there's anybody listening, you don't have to commute and you don't have to ride your bike all the time. And it's like, okay, (laughs) to do it in like, I've been around the track. It's beautiful. You know, it's lovely. It's so smooth. (laughs) You know. There's yeah, there's no issues, there's no bumps no. in the road. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you say that. I have ridden at some outdoor tracks this year and some indoor tracks that are bumpy. Yeah, so. I did go oh. around Herne Hill recently and there was a really big like hole and I was like Yikes. Oh <laughs> so okay, maybe they're not perfect. Um, but there's no cars around. No. So. Yeah, no it's cars. pretty sweet. I'm just just a little bit lazy sometimes. <laughs> It's no shame. That's no shame. This question is not meant to shame. It's meant to point out that it is okay not to ride a bike at all hours of the day. Yep. There are issues that need to be addressed that will ensure then maybe then people will ride bikes more often. But also London's really big. Sometimes it's quicker to get the tube. It's terrible. And you can study, right? You are a part-time student? Yes, I am a part-time student. I don't just ride bikes. (laughs) (laughs) What are you studying? So I'm doing a PhD. I'm looking at wearable technology, kind of like sensors and how you can use them to measure how the body moves in sports. So like biomechanics and see if we can link that to like performance or use it as an injury prevention tool. So it started off with, I was going to be looking at rowing specifically because that's what I had funding for initially, but it's kind of moved on to sports in general. It's quite nice. It's quite nice to have that link between something I enjoy doing, sports, and then my degree. Do you experiment on yourself? <laughs> yes. Exactly what I was <laughs> I'm turning up to a race, like, coming in. Like, beep, 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 boop, don't mind that. Um, uh, yeah, so I have been testing out my sensors when I've been, like, on the rollers at home. And kind of collecting data, which I need to process. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes, data <laughs> processing. <laughs> and then I did some testing on myself last week on a rowing machine. So that's my task for this week, processing that data and seeing what it means. I'm imagining that GIF with all the little numbers going <laughs> What does it mean? <laughs> Yeah, someone awesome. wants to process my data for me. Yeah, get in touch. Someone will be like, "I love doing that." <laughs> Do you want to go into that field? Is that like you want to go more into sports medicine, or kind of I don't know, like the techie side of that, or I don't know. I don't. What are the possibilities? Like, where do you want to go with it? So I've kind of always had this thing where I wanted to go into sports engineering, but I never really knew how I would get into it. What is sports engineering? Kind of like this. This? Oh. So I did my undergrad uh, in material science and engineering, which was really interesting, and then kind of stumbled into my PhD and was like, oh, this actually kind of fits with... (laughs) You laugh, but I did actually just kind of like stumble into it. But it was good because it kind of fits in with where I might want to go but there's been a lot of learning in the process because I don't have that biomechanics background and mm. I have like the materials background, which has been good for making sensors, but I don't have like the tech background for like the software and the hardware. So yeah, mm. lots of learning. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You do other things other than uh, race bikes, including... Uh, rowing. So you used to be a rower. I was really curious about how has your body changed? Because I imagine rowing as being doing something really specific to your body in one way. And then you switch to cycling it must be something completely different there. Um, you're, there's actually quite a good crossover, I think, between, well, endurance, more endurance cycling anyway. And there are a lot of rowers that have switched over to cycling. Rowing is not an upper body sport. Really? <laughs> it's not. It's, yeah, it's like mostly legs. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's such a good huh. crossover to cycling. Yeah, like, huh, yeah like, huh, always huh. thought it's, like, it's just arms. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like 70% legs. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's why you get a lot of crossover and you build, you have like quite a good aerobic base as well. But then, I think what I found hard switching from rowing to cycling was like when you get into racing, it's not just like you're going to hold this like consistent power output for however long. Like there are surges and races and you need to learn, like when people are attacking, you need to kind of learn to deal with that. So that was something I had to adjust to. And just the fact that there are tactics as well. <laughs> so I think for me, it was more like a psychological change than a physiological change. Can you speak more about that, the psychological change? And also wondering, like, compare, contrast the cycling world with the rowing world. I've been in competitive sport for quite a while now. So I'm used to kind of like pushing myself and like, just know that it's not going to be plain sailing all the time but I think as I put higher expectations on myself now in cycling and so sometimes that's harder to deal with like last weekend when things don't entirely go to plan in terms of kind of comparing the two different sports in rowing there was a lot more structure and you kind of trained as a team most of the time so I used to train 10 times a week and pretty much all of those sessions would be with other people And there was a coach that told you what to do. Everyone did the same thing pretty much. And that was really hard for me to adjust to going into cycling. I was like, suddenly I had to figure things out for myself, like do a lot of training for myself. And yeah, that was quite difficult. But I think both sports still have quite like close-knit communities, uh, which is quite nice. 
So that definitely helped moving into cycling. But that's something I still struggle with, like doing a lot of training for myself. So I like last week when I was just doing whatever I wanted, I did a gym session with all my teammates. It was nice to just have a laugh. And then I actually went rowing on the weekend and it was nice to kind of be in that like team environment, I guess. Like one common goal. (laughs) Sounds good. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was curious about also the diversity in the world of rowing versus cycling, because I think they're both considered quite white middle class sports. And is there, are there similarities there? Yeah. (laughs) Probably where they're both similar, that and the equipment's really expensive. Mm. But you don't really have to think about that in rowing because like your club provides the equipment so there isn't really that same cost barrier but yeah in terms of like looking around and seeing people that do the sports there definitely is a lack of diversity in rowing and in cycling but like I would go to races like same as in cycling now when I was rowing and be like the only person of colour or one of few people of colour that's quite funny actually when I started the junior section of my club was really diverse and then it was only when I went to uni where like my club wasn't that diverse um when did you start rowing then I started rowing in 2010 how old were you I started when I was 16 yeah so two years whilst I was at school and then four years at university and so your school did your school help facilitate kind of the environment where it was quite diverse and no it was like it wasn't a club that was connected to my school it was just a standalone club in Hackney I guess in quite a diverse area and at the time that I was there there was an organization called London Youth Rowing and so the club where I rowed was part of that organization I think that's what helped facilitate it to be a more diverse club but that's a shame that I kind of like stayed at that that for the youth level and isn't going up into the higher ranks, I guess. Same issues with cycling. Uh, I hear you lift, bro. <laughs> God, I really, there's an anime about weightlifting. Uh, what weight are the dumbbells that you lift, it's called. <laughs> Why am I surprised? I, watch, I Yeah, be. watch a weightlifting anime. It's great. It's super cute because like, in the show they show you little workouts that you could theoretically do yourself do with the anime girls. <laughs> so... You're multifaceted and you do cycling and rowing and you lift. Yes, I lift. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your lifting. I love it. Like, I actually love it so much. And I just like having kind of like that diversity in my training and not just riding a bike all the time (laughs) again. (laughs) But I think, I was going to say, I think I enjoy it because I'm good at it. But I had a session today where I was just like doing lots of, different things and it was it was hard but I have kind of always done weight training since I've taken sports seriously so I started again when I was 16 and started rowing it was just part of the training well when I started like I just started on the water and then one of my friends was like come to the weight sessions um who happened to be another girl and I went and I liked it. And then I think I was probably doing as many weight sessions a week as I was doing rowing sessions a week, which was two of each. Just to put that out there. <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of carried on 
through. I think when I was making the decision about sports after I stopped rowing, I always knew that I wanted there to be some element of weightlifting in it because I enjoyed it and I didn't want to give that up. It's just another way of pushing my body. I like being strong and especially when it means I'm stronger than some guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be really good for your body too. I mean, obviously, but like things like it's supposed to help with bone density. Yeah. And I think with cycling not being an impact sport, Mm. um, there have been quite a few articles and stuff recently about professional cyclists with low bone density because they don't do that lifting. And so I think even if you don't have to lift very much, but I think it's just one nice to have that variety and two, it's good for your health. I'm just like drawing my own conclusion here, but I've had some not very nice crashes and some of my friends have had some not very nice crashes. I've not broken any bones, touch wood, and they have. And kind of like the difference I think has been lifting and muscle mass. Mm. I want to lift weights. Do it. Yeah. Do but it. I, I I find the the weights room at the gym really intimidating. I'm like, I won't go in. I like look at the machine and I'm like, uh, am I using this right? Like putting <laughs> the pins in and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be here. Yeah, I can see that. Like I can, I go into some public gyms and find them really intimidating. But I'm just going to say, I think free weights are much better than uh, machines. Mm. But it's just about getting the technique right first. Even though I find gyms intimidating, I'm pretty confident with my technique and I know that, like, that's all that matters. And so I can go in and just lift and then leave. And then, again, because lots of people skip leg day, I can go in and squat more than them. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be worried about technique and I can't afford a personal trainer. I stopped going to a weights class that I'd been attending and now I'm like, oh, I should have just kept that up, but... Do they teach you technique in that weights class? No, they just say, just do this. And so you do it, but they're not checking your body to make sure you are, you individually are doing it correctly. Because I don't have a coach or anything, I could be doing more damage to my body if I don't use the correct technique. So I just don't do it. (laughs) That's a shame. So I think like there are definitely benefits to doing it. And I would have suggested, yeah, maybe going down the personal trainer route but also, like, I'm sure there are some weightlifting classes that will that would be more thorough in terms of checking your technique and stuff and, like, at a slightly lower cost compared to a PT because it is that group environment as opposed to one-to-one. So I think it's just finding those specific classes, like maybe going to an actual weightlifting gym as opposed to, like, a public gym mm-hmm. and seeing what classes they offer. That's a good point. I can also send you a link to this anime. <laughs> We all win. <laughs> I'll give it a go. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's a really good episode where they notice you can tell what type of sport somebody does from how the body shape. When I started racing, because I was doing road stuff as well, and like more endurance, I was told that I should stop doing upper body weights. So I was like, I haven't actually done weights for ages. My arms just look like this. <laughs> <laughs> but so I like the fact that I'm a sprinter and like, lifting weights as part of that training because now no one can tell me not to do it but i would have still done it anyway with endurance yeah. i can't believe they tell you to yeah, stop what? doing upper body why because they're like cyclists don't need to have upper oh, body. Oh, <laughs> come on no exactly come on boo. Also, 
I'm glad you agree. Yeah. Like, I think, okay, you don't need to work on your, like, even now, like, I don't work on my upper body as much as my lower body, but having had injuries before in rowing where, like, part of it's been down to that kind of discrepancy in, like, Mm. uh, strength, like, I definitely need to keep up some form of upper body just to kind of be robust and not break. Everything's connected. Yeah. It's like your legs don't act without the rest of your body. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. Work on those arms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've become a regular at the Women of Colour Cycling Group. And uh, for those who don't know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I remember. Not everybody knows. Uh, Recap. Yes. Um, So last November, uh, Jules Walker and I started a Women of Colour meetup at Look Mum No Hands. It's just once a month. For people to get together, have a chat, talk about things, um, feel less isolated, and it's been going pretty well. Yeah, you, you've been coming to almost all of them and throwing out ideas to the group and organizing rides. Like, how's it been for you? It's been great. We probably spent more time just chatting at Look Mom No Hands, like compared to riding our bikes, but it's been nice to just chat I think and kind of meet other people that I can relate to uh, when it comes to cycling like other women of colour because there aren't that many yeah it's just been really encouraging like hearing about what some of the other women do very few of us race but people do night rides and someone went bike touring in Rwanda and just we're such an underrepresented group but we do ride bikes. And so to know that there are these people that do that has been really good for me. And I've learned a lot from them. And I think it's been nice to also share my skills with them and kind of encourage more of them to get on their bikes. So we've been doing some rides in Regent's Park with a compulsory cafe stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just been really chill. And it's been nice to ride with other people and talk. Yeah, you've become quite a central figure. I think that's been really good. When Jules and I both started, we were like, we don't want to be in charge. Like, <laughs> someone else, please. <laughs> Take up the mantle. I kind of <laughs> took a bit of a backseat just over the last month because I was stressing out about races and stuff. But actually, it's, it's been good, I think, for me to have a part of cycling that isn't as intense, um, that I know I can enjoy. Yeah, there's the social side. Yeah, that we have to keep in mind. <laughs> Quite often, when you like join a club, like all you do is ride bikes. You don't really get to know someone, or like you might have like a really great chat with one person on a ride, but not with the rest of the group. And I think the group is great because we do sit down and have a chat and get to know each other and not have to worry about traffic or other cyclists or whatever. It's true, yeah. You go on a group ride and you're just so, like, <laughs> so mm. many things to think about. Car back! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not fun, is it? No. Just expanding that, the idea. I do want to state, it's clear that we try and ask everybody this question. Yeah, we ask everyone this question. With regards to race, gender and disability, how do we get more underrepresented groups into the cycling world? keep pushing these safe spaces 
like the women of color group but also publicizing them because if people don't know that they exist they're not gonna join and then representation a big thing that people are saying at the moment is you can't be it if you don't see it and if you see someone that looks like you being promoted by major cycling brands you're gonna feel like it's a space for you and i think like that's quite a big scale but on a smaller scale sharing stories with people from those groups that are doing things in cycling but not just the same story like different stories diversity across the board okay and then podcast recommendations (laughs) (laughs) so my kind of like serious one revisionist history by malcolm gladwell the kind of more uh, relaxing, funny ones, the Receipts podcast, and which is uh, three women of colour talking about their experiences in London and different social topics. And then my dad wrote a porno, <laughs> <laughs> which I think explains itself. So yeah, I'm not going to get into that. It's pretty good. <laughs> I think the first podcast I ever l- listened to was Serial, oh. and that's what got me into podcasts. Mm. So. That's a good question to ask people. What was your first podcast? What was your first podcast? This is a really good one, actually. <laughs> so sorry, that was four. But That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you had <laughs> one, yeah. <laughs> nice one. Thank you, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. If you like what we do, squish that like, like button, rate, rate us on iTunes, and subscribe. If you can't give us your money, give, give us your stars. stars. Don't keep us a secret. Shh. Share our podcast with all your podcast listening and perhaps also second friends. I messed that bit up. <laughs> Share it with your friends, please. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 